out of curiosity, how many times have you been told to practice self-care this school year? I have a feeling it's been so many that it's begun to feel a bit disgenuine and a little cliche. What if I told you that self-care alone isn't what you need to make it to the end of this school year and through the next? Get ready to go deep and rethink on Episode 9 of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. a teacher isn't what it used to be. The good news is you don't have to figure it out all on your own. If you're looking for truth, inspiration, and tips for success in the classroom and beyond, you're in the right place. It's time to turn the page to the future of the profession. This is the next chapter for Teachers Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Erin Spinagle, and thank you for listening to Episode 9 of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. I bet if you had a nickel for every time someone ended an email or a message on social media about self-care this year, you could probably buy stock in Ticonderoga. <laughs> you're probably in the home stretch to spring break, if you're not already having your spring break already, and we're all a little worse for wear at this point. The self-care reminders have been coming in hot, usually without any definition about what self-care actually is. So let's talk about it, what it is, and why that's not necessarily the problem. Self-care is taking action to preserve or improve your health, be it physical, mental, or emotional. I could get into the six types of self-care, but I'd rather just let you Google that and get to the truth that you may not find on any search engine. And that truth is you are already an expert on self-care. You don't need an email reminder or an unnecessary gadget some Instagram influencer is marketing and getting paid to promote to make it happen. And yes, I am calling out the people trying to make a buck off of your distress. Self-care is not the affiliate links for face steamers and essential oils, my friends. You heard it here first. Let's be real. You are already a care aficionado. As teachers in a profession dominated by women, we understand nurturing like no other. No doubt in my mind, you can ID when someone needs rest, Interaction, space, food, love, we see it all the time in our students. The problem is prioritizing that same need in ourselves and not denying yourself the same things you would give to someone else with no judgment in a blink. It's been ingrained in us to care. And unfortunately, that also means we've been conditioned to put ourselves last. Now, there are certainly times when we are not the number one priority, that's obvious. But too often than not, 
especially this year, your needs and possibly your family's needs have taken a backseat because of the demands of your job. It comes down to that martyr mentality. And if I bring that up too much, it's because I want you to see it for the devil reincarnate that it truly is. We've been conditioned in the teaching profession to accept that it's okay, actually, it may very well be expected of you, to run yourself into the ground for the sake of your classroom or your students. Because, after all, aren't you here for the kids, right? At some point this year or in years prior, you've probably been made to feel, either by yourself or others, that if you don't give every last drop, you're failing your students. And that is garbage. It is impossible to practice self-care at any level with this mentality living in the back of your head. And the brutality of the expectations this school year, the callousness directed at teachers regarding their well-being, is your wake-up call to be a part of changing the narrative. If we're going to be there for the kids, we're going to have to be there for ourselves first. A question that I have for school leaders mostly those who aren't in the schools, in the trenches all day, is if they really do want teachers to practice self-care, or if they are just saying that because they think it sounds good. Do they realize the contradiction in telling someone to take care of themselves, while in the next sentence telling them to get back into the classroom, regardless of whether or not they'll get a vaccine to protect them? I'm hearing, make sure you take care of yourself, Now, teach kids online and in person at the same time and get them ready for that big test in the spring. Got it? The contradiction to me is glaringly obvious. And they risk losing a generation of teachers and the education of thousands of students because of it. When it comes to leadership, communication matters. Right up there with conscience. And many leaders right now need to take a look at the disconnect between their words and their actions. Here's the brass tacks. What you need is deeper than the traditional view of self-care. Let's talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, the pyramid we learned about in college, what kids need before they can be successful. At the base of the pyramid is physiological needs, survival, food, water, rest, then safety, love and belonging, esteem, and at the very top is self-actualization. Adults need those same things as well, and self-care should reflect that. So I'd like to share with you my inverted pyramid of self-care redefined. You can push the pyramid right up next to Maslow's pyramid and make a perfect square. How's that for geometry? I'll start at the bottom and work my way up. At the bottom tip of the inverted pyramid is self-indulgence. Netflix marathons, chocolate, wine, shopping, all the guilty pleasures that get that dopamine going. But it's at the bottom for a reason. Because a very small part of what self-care involves is indulgence. Any of those things in excess 
really aren't that good for you. You're either blowing money, calories, time, or all of the above. Letting loose is essential, but it's not all there is to self-care. The next level up is self-maintenance. This is everything you need to do to keep your body going inside and out. Doctor's visits, hair appointments, exercise, balancing your checkbook. In contrast to indulging, this is keeping all the gears in your life moving, so to speak, so you feel and look in a way that makes you happy, healthy, and gives you peace. The next level is self-control. And this is a big one for teachers, especially if the martyr mentality has its teeth in you. I guess another name for this would be self-regulation. Can you turn off, stick to your boundaries, choose where to expend your energy? It's a work in progress for me, for sure. But too much or too little of anything isn't good. Getting control and taking responsibility for our actions isn't a level of self-care that looks good in pictures on Instagram, but it can have some of the greatest impact on your health. After that is self-awareness. What do you need to feel fulfilled? What would make you feel better about life? Are you an extrovert or an introvert? And how can you honor that in your life choices? What are the triggers that impact your self-control? Knowing what you're about and how you function is huge in improving your physical and emotional state. And when you are self-aware, you are better able to help your students and your colleagues become that way as well. And at the top, the broadest category of what self-care should entail is self-empowerment. You deserve better than to feel stuck, to feel demoralized. This is about taking action and finding the resources to be the person you want to be at school, at home, and beyond. Empowerment looks different for everyone. It can be going back to school to get the knowledge you need to change jobs. It may be just using your confidence to not let others make you feel bad about your decisions. It can be having the courage to be a voice in a profession that needs realness and compassion if it's going to retain and attract quality people. Most of all, it's feeling strong enough and whole enough to let your story, your perspective, be the lens for others to see someone they can relate to, a reason to not give up and to practice, you guess it, guessed it, a redefined version of self-care. It's coming full circle and being at peace with what has been and what can be. So to review, self-care is about nurturing who you are and attending to your own needs. So you have the wholeness to reach those who need you most. You know how to do it. You just need to feel that you are allowed to prioritize yourself when the education world is sending you mixed messages. In a redefined, inverted pyramid of self-care, we work our way up from indulgence to maintenance to control to awareness 
to empowerment. It's maybe not the message everyone in charge wants you to hear, but it's the one you need the most. If you're interested in more encouragement and strategies to improve your teaching life, make sure you're receiving the Monday message, my weekly update to my listeners. I'll post a link in my show notes. There's a great opportunity on the other side of this pandemic to reimagine how we do things in education, starting with how teachers view themselves. You can't be all you need to be for anyone when you don't feel like you can or should be prioritizing the needs of your family and yourself. Let's start working towards that brighter tomorrow today. That's all for this episode of the Next Chapter for Teachers podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave a rating, subscribe, and give a review. Join us next time when we turn the page to the future of the profession. Until then, I'm Erin Spinagle, reminding you to be different, but more importantly, be the difference. And I'll see you in the next chapter.